Blog Talk Radio. here tonight on Race Chat Live. First of all, Tyler Reddick, king of road courses. (laughs) Well, three wins in the last two seasons. Move over Chase Elliott. There's a new man in town. Uh, Tyler Reddick. Man, oh man. It didn't take him long, did it? Kyle Busch, a winner at RCR. Tyler Reddick, a winner at 23-11. I think both teams and both organizations made the right call. Uh, it didn't take either one of them very long uh, to get into victory lane. There are a lot of trades, a lot of uh, free agent deals. They don't go as planned. Sometimes you get one guy who's got the better end of the deal. One thing gets better in the trade. In this instance, that's, you know, long term, I guess, 2311 really uh, – they, they they would, I guess, in the end, win the trade, but RCR is still going to have quite a few good years with Kyle Busch as their driver. Well, I've got uh, a couple of my co-hosts in the studio. I believe we have Miss Lee. Is that you, Miss Lee? Or is that you, Craig? Craig and Chad. Yeah. Okay. Craig. Craig and Chad. Right. They're originals. How y'all doing? Great doing. 
Uh, you know, I'm a name. Everybody good? I hear you. I'm here. Hey, Ms. Lee. We've got a lot, uh, a lot to talk about here tonight. Of course, uh, glad to have my co-host available, uh, Ms. Lee Reed, Taz Taylor, of course, Craig Moore. An eventful weekend, I should say. Uh, and I don't even know where to start. I guess we start with the trucks. Uh, Taz, uh, do you have uh, do you have the rundown ready for us for the uh, for the truck series? Uh, I'm not sure who was able to catch the live race. I was only able to catch kind of the end of it. I did watch the Xfinity race. I was able to uh, catch all of that one, but. Uh, Miss Heather had me out in uh, town doing some yard sailing. It is yard sale season here in the great state of Mississippi, uh, where us poor folks go to, you know, stock our houses to make us look like we have something. <laughs> I don't know how y'all do it up the north, but uh, that's we, we we like the pilgrimage in people's junk. They <laughs> will buy it. Listen, we deal we deal with the mother. We deal with Mother Nature's issues, as in when she wants to be nice to us, she gives us warm weather, and apparently if we piss her off enough, she nails us with, like, 10 feet of snow. Yeah, that's after not having much snow at all all season long, right? You uh, you go into March and almost April, and lo and behold, you look out the window, it's 10 feet of snow. Uh, we're in tornado season down here in the south, so y'all need to pray for us. Uh, it's you know, it's, we're used to it by now, of course. We we were raised in the South. So, uh, we know it's a couple of times a year where, you know, it's pretty prevalent, prevalent that we will have some kind of bad storm. So uh, just uh, pray for those in Rolling Rock, Mississippi. I believe it's Rolling Rock. The town was completely obliterated uh, by, by a huge tornado. But, um, yeah, truck series. So... Um, yeah, trucks. We got to let's see. Stage one winner, Christian Eckes, last week's winner. Um, stage two was the man himself, Kyle Bush, and your race winner who who burned it down and literally burned it down, uh, Dean <laughs> Smith. <laughs> and when I mean burned it down, he lit his tires were on fire, or it nearly put the truck, the entire truck, on fire. <laughs> He literally burned the living tar out of that burnout down. <laughs> Holy lordy. Yeah. And that was a stage uh, right next <clears> to <throat> it. Uh, I think we learned something about the mud flaps, Taz Taylor. Yes. Uh, Zane Smith, the winner. Kyle Bush, second. Ty Majewski, third. Tyler Ingram, fourth. Shastain, the top five. Corey Hines, sixth. Nick Sanchez, seventh. Tanner Gray, eighth. Kez Grawla, ninth. Ben Rhodes rounds out your top 10. Notables outside of there. Uh, Grant Infinger in 12th. Stuart Friesen, 14th. Haley Deegan, 16th. Um, trying to see if there's a couple others. Timmy Hill, 25th. Chase Purdy, the other KBM truck, 27th. Uh, Christian, oh, Eckes had suspension. Christian Eckes had suspension problems, finishing 30th. Um Matt Din got involved in an accident, resulting in a 33rd place finish. Carson Hosevar with a bro- with an axle problem, finishing 34th, and that's pretty much about your rundown right there. And and once again, we have a regular uh, beating a cup dagger. 
Uh, Kyle Busch, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not sure if it's the equipment. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe it's just a little bit of rust around the handles. I, I'm not sure. Normally, Kyle Busch can go five for five in his five truck series starts. Uh, I don't. I, I think he's still a zero, correct? Has he won one? Did he won the truck series already? Maybe last week. I'm not sure. But uh, you know, it's definitely uh, heroic, I should say. Uh, when a truck regular can beat a, a Kyle Busch, uh, Zane Smith, you know, I've put up the question marks on this guy. Is he, is he cup ready, you know? And, and sure, sure, anybody can go drive that 38 car or uh, with Front Row Motorsports or, or uh, maybe a Spire Motorsports machine, even a colleague car, I guess. But is he ready for a Stuart Haas racing, okay? Yeah, they're kind of taking tears right now, but um, they weren't that far away from being in their glory days, so, you know, I wouldn't expect them to bounce back, and Zane Smith is the type of talent that I believe that can help an organization uh, like Stuart Haas racing succeed and go to the next level. They have great talent with Chase Briscoe and Ryan Priest, uh, Zane Smith, no, I wouldn't be scared to add him to uh, the list of drivers there, but I think we're kind of a toss-up here on the board, right? Uh, not everybody believes that he's uh, ready to go cut racing. We only got a couple of minutes with the trucks, but I want to hear from you guys. Uh, are we are we are we still even? Or there is there is a little dispute there of whether or not Zane Smith uh, is ready for a Cup Series ride. Miss Lee, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I have never been a fan of moving drivers up too soon. And I think before he should think about cop, he needs to spend at least one, if not two years, in Xfinity yeah. first. Greg? I agree with Mr. I Lee. I was up. getting ready to say I was getting ready to say that. Um I think he needs to spend a year or two in Xfinity, get his feet wet. I mean that's a big jump going from the trucks to the to cup with with no stepping stool right. in between. That's like going from the bottom rung to the top rung with one big leap and hoping that you make it uh, without falling down and breaking your neck. I it mean, if he's not in top tier, it has been done. It has been done by Anthony Alfredo here lately. It has been done by John Hunter Nemechek. Neither one of those drivers had substantial success in the Cup Series for making the lead. Now, Ross Chastain is a big question mark because he was given an opportunity even though he did have Xfinity Series experience. He mainly made a name for himself through the Truck Series. So, Ross Chastain is the big question mark. Can Zane Smith mimic maybe what a Ross Chastain was able to do? Taz, I know you're, you're, you're wanting to chime in on this one. As we're getting ready for the Xfinity Series rundown. Well, I want to to throw in something on Zane Smith. Um, I mentioned this in the chat probably yesterday or the day before. I don't remember. Um, I think, think in my opinion, he needs for the better his talent, I think a year or two in Xfinity um, will help him out in the long run. But in the 
realistic world of how it's looking right now. It's looking like um, front row may be closing the door on Todd Gilliland and opening up for Zane Smith. So if the move were to be made next year of Todd Gilliland out and Zane Smith in full-time, I would not be surprised, to be honest with you. Or Tony Stewart might just say, to heck with it, we'll jump you up. But I can't entirely see that just yet. Interesting thoughts. Zane Smith still up in the air. We had mentioned a couple of names last week from the Xfinity series. But Zane Smith just keeps winning. We'll jump on over to the Xfinity series side where none other than the Dinger, A.J. Allmendinger, uh, was able to succeed in winning yet another Xfinity road course race. He put that Celsius Chevrolet Kellogg colleague Chevrolet into victory lane. Uh, I believe he led a total of 28 laps. Uh, so it was kind of, you know, not necessarily a dominating success, but uh, definitely uh, typical of A.J. Allmendinger to kind of pull away. William Byron finished a, a second place there. Ty Gibbs was uh, a third-place finisher. Sammy Smith in the number 18, Joe Gibbs Racing Machine. He comes home fourth place. Justin Algar, uh, fifth place uh, for the number seven junior motorsports. And, and questions about junior motorsports are starting to arise, guys. Is, is, Dale, is junior motorsports up to par? We'll cover that here in just a few seconds after I get done with the rundown. Daniel Hemrick is in that top six position. Sam Mayer, seven. Josh Berry, eight. Sheldon Creed in the ninth spot. And Riley Hurst uh, with the top ten. Brandon Jones, a whole lot of damage on that car, but able to salvage for an 11th place finish. And another notable, Chandler Smith in the 16 machine, also in that 12th place. Uh, some uh, Jeffrey Earnhardt in an incident. He finishes 25th. John Hunter Nemechek also in an incident as well. He finished 27th. Uh, Parker Kligerman uh, had a fast hot rod. Unfortunately, did not have it there at the end to show for it. A 31st finish, a 32nd finish by Cole Custer. And Austin Hill, the week uh, before winner uh, in the number 21 RCR machine, a, a terrible 37th place finish. Uh, the time of the race was two hours, five minutes, and three seconds. Uh, was the length of the race. Uh, and let's see, any other notables that I can come up with real quick? Lead change between four drivers. The, the, the Xfinity race length has got to be mild in comparison to some of the stats we got in the Cup Series. I was trying to see how many cautions were actually. Uh, five. Five caution flags, uh, so a total of seven laps. So all the cautions in the Xfinity series were not lengthy. They were actually uh, recovered pretty well. Anytime, I mean, you wouldn't go to a short track and have uh, five uh, five cautions that only totaled out to seven laps. So, but now, you know, soda is huge. Uh, so you know, three, I think it's three point four miles <laughs> uh, is the length of the speedway there. So. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, 
Is Junior Motorsports firing all cylinders, guys? I mean, of course, they have three guys in the top ten. Is it too, too early to press the panic button on Junior Motorsports? Craig, Craig Moore, I want to hear your thoughts. I think it is. I think uh, I think it's way too early. I mean, you got those guys in the top five, top ten. I wouldn't start panicking yet. A couple more weeks, and we have some bad finishes and whatnot. Then I'd start wondering if uh, Junior Motorsports is in trouble, and if Dale Junior and Kelly and the the powers to be at Junior Motorsports needs to figure some stuff out. But until then, I wouldn't worry about it. I'm not tripping. Is Junior Motorsports uh, heading in the right direction? I think it's too early to start saying that yet. Thank you, Miss Lee. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hit the panic button yet, especially when you're coming up to a couple short tracks uh, here in the next few weeks. Um, especially with Josh Berry's short track experience. Um, Justin Allgaier will has got to come through at some point. Brandon Jones, well, is Brandon Jones. Sam Mayer, I think, is also a short track person too. So I wouldn't be surprised if they bloom through in the next few weeks. We've got Richmond coming up. Uh, that's typically a really strong racetrack for uh, junior motorsports, uh, but if junior motorsports were to fall from grace, what is the next guy? What is the next team up, guys? Is it is it RCR? Is Austin Hill uh, rolling into being a favorite for the championship in the Xfinity Series? I mean, even though he did finish thirty seventh in uh, this past weekend's race, the most second most consistent driver uh, out on the racetrack has been Austin Hill this year. Is he a viable threat for the championship? Oh, most definitely. Guys, what's your thoughts on Austin? Um, Austin Hill, I honestly think he's, despite the horrible finish this week, I honestly believe, um, I think RCR has a well-talented driver. Um, whether or not he's ready to move up the cup full time next year, that raises a question mark. Um, I would say maybe a couple of years because I mean, you can't. He had an he had a decent season last year. This year he's starting to break out, and I think before this race, uh, his worst finish was like a seventh place finish, and so I. So I don't want to say, oh, put him in cup immediately. I kind of want to see how this season plays out, and I want to see if he can follow through with it the year after in Xfinity to really see if he's ready to go. Because, I mean, shoot, we've seen um, – we saw Amendinger and Noah Gregson. Those are two examples. Uh, they spent a couple of years in Xfinity. They weren't one season and then move them right up. So, yeah, it so seems, Junior – It seems like – Go ahead, Taz. I'm sorry. So if Junior wanted um, – well, no, not Junior. So if RCR were to play his cards right, um, I would look at where Kyle Busch and Austin Dillon kind of sit in terms of contract-wise maybe, or even if RCR is considering a third-car expansion. 
yes, I, I believe that is in consideration uh, for the 2024 Cup season is for uh, RCR uh, to expand, and they would definitely have to unless he plans on giving the pink slip uh, to his grandson because I guarantee you uh, Kyle Busch isn't going anywhere. As I'm looking in the Xfinity Series, and I'm looking at the names of these drivers, I'm looking at the manufacturers, it's just it is just mind-boggling to believe that Ford only has two or three development drivers uh, within their crop. Uh, Riley Herbst, of course, Cole Custer, if you're going to consider him still a Ford development driver. Um, it's, you know, it's just not many I hate to go, drivers to choose from. I hate to go further down age. that line. I hate to go further down that line, but unfortunately she falls under that list, and that's Haley Deegan. Yes. Yeah, so she does, and you know it's it's sad uh, to see the Ford struggle to uh, uh, sign talent, future talent. If there's you know there is that talent pool out there, uh, but they're going to have to pluck drivers from other places. And if Toyota and Chevrolet play their cards right, they're not going to give up uh, their their hottest hands, uh, especially Ford. in these lower series. Ford does not have a feeder series in the sense of ARCA like Toyota does. Right. Yeah. And I'm seeing, you know, with Kyle Busch over at Chevrolet and, you know, RCR has an affiliation. They have an Xfinity Series team. Hendrick has brought their Xfinity Series team back. Of course, it's just for uh, the Cup guys because Junior Motorsports is full. Um, Colleague uh, uh, Racing, uh, they get their cars uh, from RCR mainly. Um, So, you know, another uh, affiliation. And then, of course, you got your Toyota drivers, Sammy Smith and and, uh, the Joe Gibbs Racing team. But, uh, yeah, Miss Lee, it is concerning uh, that – Ford has not invested into their future. I think that will eventually bite them in the arse later on in the decade, if not sooner. Um, but uh, any other any other things about the Xfinity race? I thought it was a pretty good race. There wasn't very many cautions. Uh, we really got to see how it would play out with pit strategy uh, being, you know, a kind of a cautionless race. Um, and, uh, you know, my concern was that cars were going to separate from each other, and they kind of did. But, hey, you know, all in all, pretty decent race on the Xfinity Series side. It's really going into the cup side. Cars, yeah, you got the, uh, the finishes there on the cup side. Of course, you know, without a doubt, Tyler Reddick uh, was the dominant car of the weekend, uh, you know, be it if he were on everybody else's pit strategy. Uh, we could have seen, you know, maybe Tyler Rake put the whole field a lap down. I mean, that guy was that quick. And he had to go through about four, what, three or four overtimes uh, to officially seal the deal. Uh, what if you guys thought that? And I believe all of us here on the panel actually got to watch the cup race. We had a, we had a good little thread going throughout the race. Um, what are some of the things that uh, really come to mind here? As we uh, discussed Coda in the Cup Series, I'm going to start with you, Ms. Lee. Well, I think one of the, one of the things that stood out to me um, was the the lack of cautions for the the stages. Okay, 
you know, when a, a track is green, NASCAR throws competition caution. You know, when it's green from rain, whatever. Um, so I wasn't a real big fan of that. Um, I think it, you know, didn't give us that reset that we're used to. For all the complaining that, that NASCAR fans make about stages or made about stages and whatnot, I I wasn't a real big fan of that. That said, right. unlimited overtime. Even Richard Childress, team owner, didn't realize that the rule had been changed from three attempts at a green-white checkered, which occurred, I believe it was in 2016, that they they began the unlimited attempts. Um, I'm questioning whether some NASCAR fans, not all, but some, Given that Craig's stat of the day was that I believe four of the six races have ended in overtime so far this year, I'm wondering if NASCAR fans haven't keyed into that and are like, okay, you know, the race is boring. I'm not going to watch this. I'll tune in for the last 20 laps. Right. It's an interesting theory, and we have uh, more of that discussion uh, coming up in our Hot Topic session uh, where we can get a little bit more in-depth into that. Obviously, there is an issue with ratings, Um, and ratings were down by 2%. This race, you know, it's not as much of a fall-off as the 14% that we were at last week, uh, but a 2% fall-off. So, um, Chase Elliott was in the booth. Well, you know, and well, and and another thing, another thing to throw in there though too is, we used to only have, was it two road course races a season, and now we've got what, six, and a lot of NASCAR fans are not road course fans. I am. I love road courses. My local track. Is a is a road course, and and that's where I see most of my NASCAR races, um, you know. But that's that's another factor to look at when you're looking at ratings. Yeah. All right. Um. So let's go over the the finishes real quick. Tyler Reddick, of course, he seals the deal. Kyle Busch finished second. Alex Bowman, a top five finish. Alex Bowman quietly having a great season. The only problem is that hundred hundred uh, point sign, uh, but um, yeah, he's still way that, below. The uh, appeal process will be, yeah, that, that appeal process is coming tomorrow, so we'll know a little bit more. But Alex Bowman and Pete together quietly so far this season, uh, some very consistent finishes. Ross Chastain fourth, William Byron uh, a fifth place, another top five finish. Austin Cedric finishes sixth. A good call on that, Taz Taylor, as I'm, as I'm saying these names, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in seventh, 
Chris Buescher at eight, Ty Gibbs at ninth, and Todd Gillian in tip. A lot of these names were on the list of ones to watch, Taz uh, Taylor. So it just shows you, you you're doing your homework and you're really starting to uh, come into your groove uh, with the Taz's with the hot pick. Uh, Corey LaJoy, 11th place finish, Michael McDowell, 12th. Kevin Harvick, I mean, you know, I expected a little bit better, Kevin, uh, 13th. Uh, Kyle Larson, 14th. Chase Briscoe, 15th. Denny Hamlin, 16th. Martin Truex Jr., 17th. Jensen Button, 18th. Justin Haley, 19th. And Noah Gregson, a top 20 finish. Other notables, Ryan Blaney in the 21st spot. Uh, Jordan Taylor in 24th. Christopher Bale, a 31st place finish. Ryan Priest, a 32nd place finish. A.J. Allmendinger, way back in the back. Boy, this one cost me here. Uh, 34th place finish. Brad Keselowski, 35th place finish. Bubba Wallace, who we have a little bit to talk about him later on as well. 37th, unfortunate for Jimmy Johnson to not even complete a lap. And not only that, is it so sad that he didn't even make it into our list of topics here tonight. So, uh... Class Taylor, since we don't have anything to talk about with Jimmy Johnson's schedule, and I'll go ahead and let you have this subject. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jimmy Johnson, man? I mean, two races, two TDNFs. Well, as a Johnson fan, it sucks. Um, I can't really complain much about Daytona only in the sense that he was actually running well for a good portion of the Daytona 500. Um, just got involved in your normal Daytona Rex Fest deals. Um, in terms of this race, one thing I don't like about this track um, is that, and I'm not going to say this in Jimmy Johnson's defense. I'm going to say this entirely because it happened the entire race, on starts and restarts going four five wide in the middle and freaking turn one and full sending it and not really, you know, thinking driver mentality and using your brakes and stuff um, that requires skill, that's a little ridiculous because that's, I believe that's where a lot of our cautions came from, was from the turn one full send, uh, everyone wants to go four or five wide and come out of turn one thinking, oh, you're going to get out in one piece. Hell no, you're not, unless you all know what the hell you're doing. Well, I'm just not sure that that was actually the mentality. I think it was more like we've got I've, everybody else is doing this. I've got to do it, too, and I just hope that I make it through it. It's kind of like a herd of cattle trying to squeeze their way through this little bitty opening in a fence. And the herd of cattle is just going to run each other over. And that's, that's what they were, I guess, if they were having to race each other, like, without cars, they would probably show a little bit more respect to each other. But they do have fenders, and they do have bumpers, and they do have, uh, you know, a level of competition behind them that uh, makes them very elite in this position that they're in. And, uh you know, it is what it is. When you try to herd some cattle through a small opening in a fence, uh, you're gonna have uh you're gonna have some some barbed wire bent back, you know what I mean? If I can uh, make it any clear. Uh you know, I, all in all I think it was eight cautions for seventeen laps, guys. Um 
our next subject, our, our very first hot topic, is really just a, a slew of different subjects that I feel like came up uh, with the Coda race, uh, with the Cup race, be it stage racing, double power restart, uh, several other things. Look, the last thing that I want is Cup racing to become F1 racing. Like you know, and and I can't wait to get into that in a little bit more. Uh, in our first hot topic of the night. But first off, do we have anything else to close? Craig Moore, you actually got to watch the race. I've got to get your opinion on it. Craig, what did you think, man? I mean, it was your first race of the year that you sat down and watched. Uh, was it worth it? I mean, or could you have found something better yeah. to do? Yeah, no. It, it, uh, no, I always have something to do. I'm always busy. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch this race. <laughs> right, I'm going to watch right, this right, race. Right. Um. And I'm not, I'm not a big road course fan. And I, I used to love sitting and watching them when we had two a year. Now that we have six, I'm like, holy Christ. Um, but I was excited. And, that, you know, we're going to talk about the overtime thing and, and, and the other topic later in Hot Topics. But I, I thought it was a good race all in all. I mean, Tyler Reddick proved that uh, he is a definite force to be reckoned with. And you know, Kyle Busch didn't give him give him that race. He just couldn't keep up with him. So uh, it was nice to it was nice to see Kyle humble. It was nice to see Kyle humble and not blaming anybody for a poor race. Uh, He just he couldn't keep up with he couldn't keep up with Tyler, and you know, it is what it is. Now imagine, now just imagine if they were to find room, if they were to find room for both drivers at uh, RCR, mm. if that if that wouldn't have happened, could you imagine the right. the tandem of victories they could have put, they could possibly put together in 2023? Just just a little. They would be one thought. of the strongest. They would be one of the strongest teams in the Cup Series, uh, without a doubt, Craig Moore. It's interesting that you brought that topic up as well. Because that's definitely, it seems like kind of a fair trade now, right? Uh, between uh, RCR and 2311, both drivers have gone their way into victory lane, and, and none of us are surprised. I mean, you know, it's uh, now if for the long run, of course, probably 2311 wins in this trade uh, because Tyler Reddick spent the beginning of his career with Kyle Busch probably only has a few years left. We have a stat of the week uh, that we need to get to real quick. Uh, I believe uh, Craig has a stat of the week. Let me read mine first. After three servings of NASCAR overtime, Sunday's Echo Park GP at Circuit of the America finished at a time of three hours, 30 minutes, and 32 seconds. That's the longest race time for a road course race in the NASCAR Cup Series since Riverside in January 1976. It says 57 years ago, but that math is not right because that would make me about a decade older than what I am. So I'm going to say 47 years ago. Uh, That is from S. Wrigley Stats. I need to correct that. I I did not see that in the beginning, but uh, definitely uh, 47 years in the making to have the longest race ever recorded at a road course in the NASCAR Cup Series. Now, Craig, you had an interesting stat that you pointed out earlier, too. What was that? What was that stat? The first six races, four of them have gone to overtime. 
That's crazy. Including that's including uh, the uh, exhibition race, right, at uh, the Coliseum, correct? I believe so. Yeah, the stat just said four of the six races. So yeah, it would have to be the it would have to be the ex- exhibition. I mean that's just crazy when you think about it. Right. I mean that's just crazy well, when you think about it. And, it. and it goes to what Miss Lee said. Like, does that does that turn a certain crowd of race fans off that are now only tuning in to catch maybe the last ten, fifteen laps, or maybe what they would believe the last thirty minutes of a race? Uh, which could lead into the ratings drop. Now, I'm seeing ratings drop throughout the board, whether it be in basketball, uh, baseball. Um, I think that it's not really – Nielsen, what, what it, I believe a lot of this has to do with we, are, we have gone to alternate ways of watching things, and Nielsen just does – you know, they're, they're just strictly cable television and, I guess, satellite. So outside of those two areas, you know, Nielsen doesn't really keep up or track uh, what, who's watching it through live stream. So uh, um, definitely, yeah. As, but Neil, uh, Nielsen further into this. But Nielsen yeah. doesn't all doesn't only track cable and satellite. They also track people who watch over the air. Right. So you have to consider when races are not on one of the quote-unquote big three, that they are not necessarily capturing or there's there's not necessarily as many people watching because they don't have access to the cable channels. Right. You know, so you have to you have to factor that in when you're you know when you're looking at the total viewership. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't yeah. have access to FS2. So mm-hmm. if something happens and a race is on on FS2, I I'm not watching it. And they have been known to put qualifying practice and a few other things over on FS2, or if. Uh, if a sport is dominant over racing, has better viewers, they 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 kick uh, they kick you out over to FS2. Now the greatest thing about that is if you have cable, then you're able to download the Fox Sports app or satellite, and you're able to key in and watch it through the Fox Sports app. But yeah, but have access to that either. See now that's where I run into a problem because I use Sling TV as my provider and. FS2 or the Fox Sports app doesn't yeah. recognize Sling as Bingo. a provider right. to access FS2. Bingo. Right. 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 And this is an issue that I believe will be addressed with the new uh, contract coming up with NASCAR. I, I have a feeling that a lot of these issues that we're talking about here will be addressed and, and uh, um, hopefully and fixed hope- with the next. And I hope so too, because look at some of the channels that NBC punks NASCAR races oh, to. Right, right. There is no reason in the world why it should be on CNBC. Exactly. Double file restarts, overtime rules, no stages, all balled up into one. 
Guys, y'all do realize that the caution was created on the racetrack because cars were over exceeding the balance of the racetrack and the car. And any other form of road course racing, what our guys do every time they show up to a road course would be illegal. The reason why we had the caution is because the cars were exceeding the course limits and basically piling up debris onto the race course. Had that been a Formula One race, whoever was off the racetrack, they would have been penalized, right? And they wouldn't, there, there wouldn't have been debris like that kicked up on the racetrack because those leagues do not allow their cars to, to drive outside the limits of the posed racetrack. Um, so even though we were able to get rid of the stage racing for these road course races, you still have situations where NASCAR is going to have to throw a debris caution. So, I mean, we're going back to the phantom caution way of life once again. Didn't I hear Denny Hamlin suggesting we not have double file restarts? And I'm like, I mean, do we want to turn stock car racing into IndyCar and Formula One racing? Just because we're at road courses, we want to change the way that we drive these cars, we change the way that we race just because Formula One and IndyCar do it a certain way. I mean, I felt that that with all these factors is what made the race entertaining. I am ready to hear from you guys. Ah, Taylor, let's get with you, man. Come on, bring it out. What are we doing here? All right, so the whole double file restart. Um, I've said this kind of before where I'm okay with double file restarts, but if you, if you do two cautions under the same lap, and I understand that it's hard to do with NASCAR because it's a continuous lap count. There's no freezing the lap count unless it's red flag, um, or you're running Bristol dirt, but that's besides the point. The normally, if you bring out two cautions under the same lap, you go from double file to single file restarts. But with, but with this, if I see it as with this continuous um, lap count that NASCAR does, you have to go from. Uh, you have to do something with where if you go back to green and immediately you have to throw yellow. You have to do something. This is where you go from double file restarts to a single file because, obviously, if your drivers can't handle double file restarts, just coming back to green and all of a sudden we're going right back to yellow, um, there's a problem. So I think NASCAR needs to step in with that. Um, That's just my opinion. As for the overtime deal, I think – Unlimited overtime is stupid. Y'all know why? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Like, we bitched and moaned and cried because we didn't want these races to end under caution. And now all of a sudden, you can't make us happy. That's the problem with race fans. You can't make us happy. Taz Taylor, um, go on, sir. I'm sorry. I'll hit the mute button. So, I think unlimited overtime is stupid. Why? Are, 
is NASCAR playoff hockey. I just have a hard as an time NHL. As an NHL. <laughs> no, it's not. If we're going to be throwing in this overtime, modernizing things just to bring in fans for entertainment purposes, then you do what most sports do, and that is double overtime. I would not go anything more than two overtimes because that's how that's how NFL does it. That's how um, that's how shoot. I lost train of thought what sports I was thinking of. Um, I do believe, oh, soccer does it in the World Cup if they need to go that far. They do two overtime periods and settle the, and settle the differences. Hockey does it's one literally overtime, when but, you put a limit. But, when you put a limit on on your on your overtimes, you are basically saying, "Hey, the next time by, I can wreck your ass, and I'll and I'll get the win because guaranteed." the caution is going to come out. I'm going to wreck you so hard that the caution is going to come out and I'm going to be the benefactor to it. And, and so that's why this works. It just wanted to go. And, and, and it was created, Taz Taylor, because we did not want to see a, a restrictor plate race. Go back to Jeff Gordon. They threw beer bottles. Jeff Gordon, you're no longer allowed to have – bottles at a racetrack because Jeff Gordon won under caution at Talladega 15, what, 20-something years ago, right? And it changed NASCAR because they realized, wow, like the fans do not want to see these races in under caution. I mean, I understand your points, Claude. The 1998 Daytona 500, Dale Earnhardt won that race under yellow. It is the only time. I didn't really hear much fans. I didn't really hear much. And I don't remember fans really complaining much about that then either. No. You know what, though? You know, we don't want to see the the race end under yellow. But I think going back to three attempts at a green-white checkered is the way to go. Because otherwise, you end up with a, what was it, three hours and however many-minute race that not only pushes the television contract, okay, but, again, as I said, leads fans to think, oh, I just got to turn in, tune into the last 30 minutes of the race. I don't have to watch the whole thing because all the action is going to be at the end. Greg, be quiet. Yeah, I... <laughs> yeah, I'm quiet because I'm listening to Taz flip flop like Joe Biden. Um, <laughs> first off, Taz, how the hell? How old were you in 1998? Long. <laughs> I was two, but I still watched that race. Okay, you were two years old. You were and still I shitting still in your diaper, getting your mouth white. But you're right. Nobody complained when he won it. Nobody complained when he won it because it was 19 years of trying. Nobody complained. But we're sitting over at my father's watching the race, and my father's not a huge NASCAR fan, but he says, it's a road course. Finish running the damn thing. By the time they get back around, they should be cleaned up. And I'm like, 
at this point because it was maybe the fourth uh, caution, the third or fourth, whatever, whatever it ended up being. But it took so long to get around the track that it was like, okay, enough is enough is enough. I mean, there comes a point in time. And did they really need to throw that last caution because of where it was on the track? They could have had that cleared out way before the leaders got there. Right, because even under Green, it took, what, two and a half minutes to get around or something like that, three minutes? Those cars had walking. And there was a lot of extensive damage on the front of the hoods of some of those race cars in that very last fashion. Um, so, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to say that they shouldn't have thrown the caution. I did see the cars were able, uh, from my from my view of it, they were able to continue. Uh, one of them did go into the infield, right? And that was the uh, – who was that? Somebody, somebody went off course there and, and caught out a caution. That may not have been the last one, though. It may have been one of the middle ones. What else, guys? What else on this? I mean, you know, literally, I just, I, I like the racing. I think we're, we're trying to tweak it too much. I think, you know, I, it's just, I think what's happened here is we've changed so much stuff so fast that now it's like almost expectation. Oh, wait, we didn't like that this time, so let's change it. This is not the freaking menu at Burger King. This is supposed to be the the best of the best, the elite racers of stock car racing, racing against each other. And, you know, we had 30-something years of zero change at all. Now it's just like, hey, okay, well, that wasn't good, so we're going to do this. But but we're not doing something new. We're, like, really, we're, we're, we're almost uh, going back to – what we've already tried before, and hey, you know, maybe the new crowd they'll like the single file restarts where the guy lap down starts on the inside lane and you start on the outside. So, you know, but then, but then you're gonna have fans who well, that's confusing. Why is this the second place car line that Messiah in? You know, I mean, it just never stop. It will never stop. Please, uh, pull me out of this. Somebody help me. No, you're absolutely right, Chris. We as a society are never going to be happy. I didn't like when they put the lap down cars up front and let them fight to get their lap back. They're lap down for a reason. They suck. Don't put them up there giving them a chance to screw up my driver's chances of winning, especially if my guy is up front and we're battling for points leads. And, and wins and stage wins. No. Keep them back in the back where they belong. There a reason there's a reason they're a lap down. You doing that just gives them a a participation award. Participation trophy. Nope, they belong in the back. They weren't good enough. They couldn't figure it out. Um but at a course as big as this, they need to figure out something so that there's no uh Unlimited overtimes. I mean, it just drug you it know, out, in my opinion, yeah, way too long. That you know that that's a point that that I wanted to bring up too is Coda. I believe is the longest road course on 
the schedule. So, you know, they they do they they need to tweak some things for this particular track. Um, the the other road courses are a lot closer in um, their mileage, you know, so so things can be a little more consistent across the board for them. But CODA definitely called for a little bit of tweaking. And CODA's a little bit more wide open than most of these road courses, if I remember right, too. Yes. <laughs> a little bit. Of I don't see any other. I don't see any other. I don't see any other road courses uh, where you can go four, five four wide in a corner. Exactly. Indy, I believe, is the. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm sorry, not going off four wide into the corner. Indy and Coda have a similar uh, turn one, and I guess I guess so does the oval, the roval, or whatever it's called. Uh, it has a similar entrance in the turn one as well. But, uh, you know, look, uh, I'm happy with the racing. I think we should just leave it as it is. Age break or not, um, it worked out. Uh, of course, there was like 37 laps that uh, were pretty boring, and the field got strung out. Uh, but, but as I said, uh, you know, these cars are going to figure a way to uh, bring out <laughs> some kind of caution. And, you know, they, they did it by dirtying up the racetrack, by dirtying up the race service. NASCAR eventually had to throw the caution. And it punched the field back up. And as usual, cautions breed cautions. So, um, the last final thoughts on the first hot topic of the night. Uh, you know, it was kind of a broad spectrum. Double file restarts, overtime rules, and no stages. Uh, it seems like we're just going to completely run different packages or different rules when you go to road course racing. Any final thoughts on that? All right. That sounds good. Drivers policing themselves. We'll have this topic coming up again in black flag, checker flag. Obviously, uh, there's been a thing whispering around the garage. I wouldn't call it whispering either. I'm more like yelling around the garage. Where is the respect or lack thereof uh, for these drivers? These drivers are not giving each other the respect that they used to. Uh, some have said this, some have said that, but I want to hear it from you guys. We're going to start with you, Miss Lee. Miss Lee, is there, you know, are we to the point to where drivers can no longer police themselves and ask drivers going to have to step in? Where are we at right now with the lack of respect amongst the drivers? This is definitely a hot topic. Um, you have to remember that... <laughs> You have to remember that we've got a lot of younger drivers who are raised a little bit differently than us older folks. So I have to wonder if that doesn't play a little bit into how these guys are racing each other. Um, You know, back in the day when Senior was racing, these guys would race each other hard hard as hell 
and then they all go out and have a beer together. Now we're getting into the age of kids who grew up with participation trophies and consequences be damned. And it's everybody else's fault, not mine. And, and so we're going to see that. And we're going to see that influencing how these guys are racing. Um, I don't. I don't know. You know, I don't know these drivers personally. And more regulation is never a good thing, in my opinion. But if they can't control their tempers, NASCAR is going to have to step in. I don't like that idea. Daz, what's your thoughts? So the drivers policing themselves. I think they're, they some of them need to really understand that you need to respect one another, regardless if you like the driver or not. And I feel like with the generations of drivers like Petty, um, Earnhardt. Even uh, in even with um, Mark Martin, Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon, you know, these guys race week in week out, and yeah, they would either have a beer with each other or um, at the end, um, or you know, they kind of knew where the lines were drawn for the most part, and they would respect it. And I understand that guys that these drivers are, you know, competing to keep their spots or trying to grab or trying to get results to try to grab more sponsors and um, helping their team out, you know, whatever. But I feel like that with them kind of competing, like, what are we going to do to keep our jobs or not lose our job, that kind of deal. It's like they have to, they have to get results. And with how the playoff format yes. is and how the yes yes but how the playoff come on format is is like you win and you're in okay so mm-hmm. now you're forcing everybody to go from to go from 14th and figure out how to go from 14th to first in like three laps on a road course how do you do that when all play with, with the same ball you send it in turn right. one at Coda going five freaking wide that right. don't take much. You send it, baby. It doesn't take much skill. Mm-hmm. If but we if all, you go we're back, all playing with the same ball, Taz, Taz, Taz. Wait a minute. We're all playing with the same ball now, right? It's no longer your crew chief or your team found a little something in the car, and we're going to be able to be better in this corner than the other teams. We're basically all playing with the same car. We're playing with the same ball. And these drivers have it in their head. The only way I'm going to make something happen here is by taking this chance. Is that not what we're up against, Sasso? Is that what you're saying? No, you're pretty much right there. Because it's not like um, the olden 
the older times, and I know we're never going to go back to that, but with the old Winston Cup format, guys would be okay with settling for top fives and top tens. Why? Because it was a decent point day. It's gotten them as high as they are right now. Now with wins matter, wins that matter to get you closer to the championship, top fives and top tens don't mean jet squat. So everyone's going to send it from 14th all the way to figure out how to get uh, 13 spots made up however way they can, especially when right. the car is all the same, and especially with how things are nowadays, nobody's guaranteed, unless you sign long-term contract extensions way ahead of time, nobody's guaranteed their ride for the next season. So they're all treating this as if this is their last season with that car. Right. But we can understand the accordion effect from the back, right, and, and how somebody in 20th, needs to try to get themselves in the top ten. I mean, Todd Gillian come home with the top ten finish, and he was wrecked earlier in the race. So we see how that can happen. But but there's just as much disrespect up front as it is in the back. And we were almost surprised that Kyle Bush, I mean, if he had caught Kyle Reddick, was he going to race him clean or was he going to push him off the racetrack? I, I, knowing, you know, I mean, I guess we could have different opinions there, but I would feel like Kyle Bush would probably race him clean. But for, you know, anybody else outside of that area, uh, would it be a wrecking wins type situation? You know, it's not it's not just the back of the fat guys that are not respecting the confined, the, the, the uh, driver etiquette that we used to see, the honor amongst the drivers. Uh, it, it's, it's the top fleet drivers as well. Obviously, you look at what uh, Daniel Suarez you know, he, he wasn't happy how he got raced, and he was up front. Uh, Alex Bowman wasn't happy how he got raced. Um, there were there were several drivers who were upset. Kyle Busch said that Ross Chastain raced him, uh, used him up. So uh, there's, you know, there is, I believe we're in a spot now where you bring your friends to the racetrack. You don't have to make them at the racetrack anymore. There's a whole lot of money. It used to be nobody could afford to go following these guys, right? You didn't have family and friends following because they didn't make in hardly any money back in the 70s and 80s. So it was a very short crew, you know, uh, and they all hung out together. And they all, you know, kind of camped out together, slept in hotel rooms together and stuff like that. But now we're, we're at the age where everybody shows up with their own living rooms, you know, at the racetrack. And drivers go off and hang out with their families, not with other drivers, not with other crew members, not with other teams. And so now they're in their own little world, and it, it is a, a all-about-me type of uh, deal right now in racing. Uh, would you like to argue that, Craig Moore? No. Um, you know, we're talking about – you were talking about the, the, the respect level. You see it <clears> – <throat> You see it even with the generation of kids that aren't racers. I mean, I live now I live in South Florida, and the kids up north, you don't hear them. They don't give respect. The kids down here, they know better. And I think we're long since, we're long past that in NASCAR. I think NASCAR may have to step in <clears throat> as the parent parental organization as much as I don't want it. I don't want them to. I want these guys to be able to figure it out for themselves. But if they can't, their parents need to step in, slap their little asses, and put them back in line. Amen. Um, 
They're, oh, here's dang. what it is. Here's what it is. They're a bunch of entitled little bastards who think that, you know, the world <laughs> owes them. You know, right. we're going to talk about my favorite topic in a little while, I'm sure, and that's Bubba. And, um, you know, I, I just think that these kids today, they need to learn respect. They need to learn a hierarchy. I've always said this, that I was a firm believer in this. My grandparents are dead a long time, but they were the smartest people I knew because they seen things and they did things that I would never get to experience and probably don't really want. Hey, Craig. But they learned from them. Yes, Taz, I know that I'm old and I've got underwear probably as old as you. Oh, but oh, oh no, I wasn't, going down, I wasn't going down that route at all, but... <laughs> Um, I respect I I respect you and I'm on your side of that whole deal. But, but did you roll go up ahead, your the political argument. No, no. Did you roll up your quarters over the weekend? Because I think you're gonna make the, <laughs> the you're gonna make that jar fill up. <laughs> yeah, I did. And at my bike meeting on Sunday, it cost me a dollar because I I dropped I dropped the curse word. Um, oh boy, I just. Yeah, I was on fire. <laughs> I got very little sleep Saturday night. But I just think the level of respect that these guys are showing each other is ludicrous. And if NASCAR doesn't step in, there's there's going to be a problem. And, and somebody's going to get hurt out on the track. Uh, I'm all for the boys to be boys thing. But when they can't mind their P's and Q's, something's got to be done. Well, when they're losing their shit on pit road, I have an issue with that. Uh, And and Daniel Suarez, he he brought it to pit road, and that should have never made it to there. But we had a driver last week penalized because he retaliated and admitted it. So everybody's kind of up in there. Can you retaliate? Is it boys have that? Is it not? Do we police ourselves? Do we not? You know, uh, look, uh, everybody's got a game plan until you get punched in the mouth. That's what Mike Tyson right. said, right? Everybody's a tough so, guy. you know, you're right. So, I, you know, if you get wrecked in the quarter and you go punch somebody in the mouth, well, you know, maybe they'll start respecting you a little bit more. Um, it's a tough situation. This is why we don't have a dirt track uh, a show because because of what Craig said about entitlement and all this other stuff. Because it's not just at the upper salon. We have a race car driver here uh, in our parts of the area, and he's a badass. He is badass at racing, and he's badass at fighting, which is two bad combinations. He's kicked out of every racetrack around here because he's not only really good at racing, but he's even better at fighting. And so he can't race anywhere because everywhere he freaking goes, he winds up in a fight with somebody, and he, and he gets advertised all over. And, yes, I'm talking about badass Billy Walker. He went up to New York and made a fool of himself and got outrun by a bunch of Yankees. And, and you know, and we kicked him out of every racetrack down here because he got beat by some damn Yankees. Uh, but, you know, I mean, that's okay. Like, I'm not trying to get off political. Mason Dixon line is still there. So, uh, But anyway, you know, I mean, look, it happens, right? And so people, they're going to they're gonna respect one way or the other. If you if they get punched in the mouth, they 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 the respect process seems to speed up a little bit quicker. Miss Lee. Okay. Bring back etiquette classes. Teach these kids, kids wouldn't even know how to spell that damn word. 
Uh, yeah, you're right. But yeah, I'm having a hard time with itinerary every week. <laughs> you know what? And 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 the other comment to that is, if more drivers didn't come from, no, let me rephrase that. If more drivers came from nothing and worked their way up, they would have more respect than drivers coming from silver spoons. You you know, Kyle Larson tells the true story of the type of racer that he's been privileged to be. Because similar to the old days of Thunder, Kyle really has a hard time telling you what the car needs. Now, he can get in anything and drive the freaking wheels off. Just imagine how much better of a race car driver he would be if he actually understood how a race car works. And that's one thing Kyle Larson will admit to you. He really doesn't know how it works. He just knows how to drive. He you know what? That and, and, and that is a very valid point. Uh, you know, look at Ryan Newman. Okay, you know, his record may not be all that great, but look at his background and where he came from. You know, he's got that engineering degree. And it, you know, and that's another thing. The, you know, a lot of these drivers coming up have never worked on their cars. Who works on their cars? The under. I don't want to say underprivileged, the underfunded drivers can work on a car and can tell their crew chief exactly what's going on with their car and what needs fixed. So, you know, how do we... Yes. A lot of people don't realize, like, the success of DEI was Steve Park. Steve Parks basically brought something to DEI on how to build a race car. Because Steve Park had built modified racers. He had, he had an engineering concept of how a car worked from the modified, and he actually brought a little bit of that engineering to DEI in the original startup of the company. Basically, Steve Park was going into the garage and building his own race car for Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. In the beginning, in the very, very early years of DEI, this is how Steve Park got the opportunity. DEI was originally launched with Robbie Gordon behind the wheel of the race car. Steve Park earned his way because he can finally convince Dale that, Look, I cannot. I, not only can I wrench on these things, but I can also drive the hell out of it. And uh, right. you know, they're, they're, the, the birth of DEI and the Steve Park career was manifested just by that. You don't have that these days, Miss Lee. You don't have a driver who's put in just as much crew chief time or, or wrench time under a race car exactly. as they have behind the seat. And and I think and, that's and, part and of it. I think simulation, right? Oh, yeah. Everybody's driving the Sims these days, but they don't know how to wrench. They don't know how to wrench, and that's part of the disconnect. The one thing that 
Um, Chris, you can relate to this one in this sense, um, and I'm sure um, you guys may be uh, able to as well. I'm going to go throw it down to the dirt track scene. Um, these big modified stars like Stuart Freeman, Matt Shepard, Eric Rudolph, just to name a few, up here in the Northeast, they have respect for one another. Will they like each other? No, they don't have to week in, week out. But they respect right. one another because of the fact that, yes, they are big they are big names in their own racing industry. Yes, they have crew members that help them out. But what do these drivers also do? They help the crew members work on the dang cars. You don't right. you is it on national television? No, it doesn't have to be. You just have to see it behind the scenes somewhere. It doesn't matter Amen. if you go to the track or show or see it on their like personal like media pages or whatever. They're showing Chaz, let me ask work. Let me ask you a question, because we all have J-O-Bs. You know what J-O-B stands for, right? Just overbroke? Yeah, we all have one, yeah. It's a rolling paper. Oh, my bad. Right. Oh. <laughs> we all have people we work with we don't necessarily like, but we have to work with them to get the job done. Racers are no different. They may not like the guy racing next to them, personally, but professionally, they need to respect them. I don't have to like the afternoon guy at my radio station. I'm not saying I don't. I don't have to like him, but I respect him. I do like him, but I don't have to. But I have to respect him. He's good at what he does. doesn't mean that we're going to go out to dinner and have drinks and we're going to go over and rub each other's feet. It just means I have to respect yeah, we're not going to go have a campfire either, especially in Florida. What are you, not? <laughs> um, but there's a lack of respect. Of the driver. Right. right. You need to get the ego out because you know what? At the end of the day, we all sit to, you can finish that. I've already put enough money in this. Word. No, I don't think we do. I really don't. We all we put do. our pants I think, on I think the same way, guys. I think this creates storylines. I think that, that, that exactly. we have spent years upon years with vanilla drivers. These drivers that are coming up are a little less vanilla. As a matter of fact, when Kyle Larson speaks into a microphone these days, I just want to throw up because that guy has turned more vanilla, his reincarnation, than any of the other drivers. I mean, he's worse than Casey Kane ever was. Casey Kane couldn't and wouldn't give you anything. Kyle Larson, it sounds like a freaking recording every single time he talks. He should basically say, I'm only here so I don't get fired. Then I could cheer for Kyle Larson. I don't like Well, you know what? And that's exactly it. I love the conflict and I love the storyline. Yes, Ms. Yeah, we all love the conflict. And there's nothing wrong with competition. But you still have to respect your competition. And as far as Kyle Larson goes, he got beat down for a stupid comment by cancel culture, and now he has to throttle himself. And that's all I'm going to say on that. Very good to throttle him. That, that was, you handled that perfect. Perfect. Yeah. 
Closing thoughts. I mean, do, are we to the point where drivers can no longer police themselves? I hope not. My final thought on this is I've been very vocal. I don't want the vanilla attitude. I want the competition. I want the conflict. I don't want Formula One style racing where a driver's told to pull over because it's more uh, beneficial for the other driver to win. I like the fact that two teammates were mad at each other. I want to see two teammates racing the shit out of each other. I want to see them using up each other. I I think that that's better for the the future of racing uh, than any team rules or 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 lack of contact. That's why we have fenders on these cars. Let's use them, Craig. All right. No, I agree. Go ahead, Miss Lee. That's fine, but these boys, and I'm going to call them boys because I'm an old lady. These boys need to learn to respect each other, period. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what it means to me. Tad, final thoughts on this subject. I'm I'm along the lines of uh, these drivers need to respect one another, but does that mean you have to be – does that mean you have to – be vanilla about it? No. Throw your personality in there. If you're frustrated at somebody, voice it. But, oh, girl. you know, but. Hey, y'all want Ross Chastain to go race IndyCar or something, right? Y'all, y'all don't go. like the Ross Chastains of NASCAR. Oh, uh, hell no. I love Ross Chastain. And and <laughs> I, I, I love his opinionation. But you, you know what? Actually, I like Ross, but there has to be more respect among the drivers themselves, period. All right. Well, that should do it on your final thoughts for drivers facing their sales. We roll into our third hot topic of the night. This one was kind of off the cusp. as I sat down and really started thinking about that this is, you know, y'all know I'm a big fan of Kevin Harvick. I haven't always been a fan of Kevin Harvick. Uh, I booed him at Talladega in my very first race I ever went to, and he won. He shares my father's birthday along with Ron Newman. Ron Newman also has a uh, December 8th as his birthday. Uh, but as, as, you know, he, he, he of course, uh, Stuart Haas started out as a Chevrolet racing team. They went to Ford. Uh, it really just lined Kevin Harvick up. Of course, Bush Beer, his sponsor, always been a big Budweiser fan. Uh, it's just the the stars align. So I really wanted to bring this subject to the table. I wanted just to discuss this because I feel like Kevin Harvick has two hats to wear in the Hall of Fame. He has a career with Richard Childress. I'm not sure if just the career with Richard Childress is a Hall of Fame career, but I've seen less. I've seen drivers get into the Hall of Fame with less credentials than, than Kevin Harvick's career with Richard Childress Racing. What he's accomplished at Stuart Haas Racing, definitely hands down a Hall of Fame career. Uh, lacking, he doesn't have an Daytona 500 win uh, with Stuart Haas, but he does have a championship, uh, and he's got a lot more wins tallied up. Um, I guess at that point in time where he's been with hey. Stuart Haas for the last nine, ten seasons, um, 
we've we've forgotten about his mm-hmm. early start at RCR. Um, this is that moment where I want to go back, and I really want I really want to get you guys pulled in, and, and I want your honest opinion of whether or not his career was more significant with RCR, where he replaced the man. This guy shows up in two races, puts the number 29, which was Dale Earnhardt's car, into victory lane. And let me tell you something, we never looked back. Kevin Harvick has been a name in NASCAR since 2001, and and now we're at the end of his Hall of Fame career. I don't know really how to phrase this. I don't know how to word this. I don't know what question I'm trying to ask. But given that he's had two different careers, two legacies, Will he be remembered as the guy who replaced Dale Earnhardt, or will he be the guy that put Stuart Haas Racing in in the upper salons of a superpower team? Who would like to open with that discussion? I think he's going to be more. Okay, go ahead, Chris. I think he's going to be more remembered for his work at SHR. Yeah, sure, he's going to be remembered for taking over for the Intimidator. But I think what he's done since then, he's going to be far more remembered for. And I posit the question, who would Kevin Harvick be today if he had not gotten that call? Right. It could have been Jeff Green. He was he was the driver for Dale Earnhardt's DEI's uh, nationwide, or I guess it would have been Bush Series team at the time. Jeff Green could have gotten that call to drive in replacement of Dale Earnhardt, but instead Kevin Harvick was chosen. So that's a great question, Taz. You want to chime in? Um, I think in terms of the Jeff Green versus Harvick deal on that sense, I feel like Childress probably went with the, I'll take the easier route and go with Kevin Harvick. Obviously, he believed in Kevin Harvick, right? Just like how he believed in, hold on, no, 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 no. Hold on. Yeah, you did. You did. He saw, he saw something in Harvick, like how Childress saw something in Reddick, which is why he took in Reddick through the Xfinity and obviously through the Cup program before Reddick uh, headed over to Toyota in 2311. I think with RCR, with Childress, when he pulled in Harvick, um, he saw something in him. And the other deal with the whole Jeff Green deal is with Jeff Green running for DEI, would RCR have to do something um, contract-wise to get Jeff Green out of DEI and into RCR? So Childress was kind of put in a spot. I feel like Childress was put in a spot of, do I go the more difficult route and try to get Jeff Green or 
do I go the easy route and just pull up a driver that I have, I already have a contract with? And I think RCR went with the easier route, obviously, with Kevin Harvick. But I do think that Childress saw something in Harvick um, and and it was quite clear with Harvick. He said, I'll never be the intimidator. He's made it quite clear um, he'll drive as Kevin Harvick. His personality is Kevin Harvick. Um, don't ex- And he's told fans straight up that don't expect uh, the intimidator out of me because I'm not him. And I think the only memories you'll remember Harvick from RCR is that part. So, as Craig had mentioned before, right. I think I think Stuart Haas racing Kevin Harvick will be more remembered than the RCR deal. Well, Kevin Harvick tried to battle a whole country of Colombia when he tried to get into a fight with Juan Pablo Montoya. Harvick tried to get into a fight with Greg Biffle, and we all know the Biff. And also, if I'm not mistaken, he tried to pick a fight with the Rooster. Ricky Rudd, and I couldn't name you very many people that were ever dumb enough to try to fight the rooster. So, uh, Harvey did come in with a And don't forget his fight with Joey Logano. <laughs> oh, he went Joey the, the infamous. We know who wears the fire suit in that family. Wow. Exactly. I think, that, I think that's when we started making T-shirts, right? That's when we coined uh, the phrase, uh, <laughs> we need to make a T-shirt. Out of that, um, you know, 23 wins with RCR, a Daytona 500 win, but he had three winless seasons uh, in RCR. I'm just not sure if we would have had the type of career if, if Kevin Harvick had not seen the writing on the wall that RCR was not going to be competitive and that they had lost the competition edge. Kevin Harvick could very well be one of those drivers with one of the most talented race car drivers that never succeeded into winning a championship or really, I mean, over the next five years, six years, at uh, RCR's just now finding their feet again, right? Uh, they've not been that good over the since Kevin Harvick's departure. I believe 2012, they were pretty solid. They got three wins. But, but Harvick left the following season. And, uh, you know, you know, for seven, eight years, you know, other than a Daytona 500 and a Coca-Cola 600 win, the Austin Dillon, RCR has not been a top flight franchise. So, literally, and RCR, had Harvick had not left, it would have stunted the Hall of Fame career that we have grown to, to, to know with the closer, happy himself, Mr. Kevin Harvick, yes, Ms. Lee. And I made that exact comment was, you know, if he had not made the change, he would have turned out to be like a Mark Martin, never winning a championship. Right. Definitely. I mean, that's, I mean, really, we've seen what happened to RCR and and we know the success that Harvick has had with Rodney, Rodney Childers and Stuart Haas Racing. It is a tale of two different – it's kind of similar to Brady where you had two Hall of Fame careers. It is two legacies. But I'm kind of with Craig here. I feel that 
his legacy has been more enriched by what he's has accomplished at Stuart Haas Racing uh, than what he accomplished uh, at RCR. And and if if I were to if I were Kevin Harvey, I would choose the SHR hat to wear to the Hall of Fame and the four car over the twenty nine. Which leads me to wonder exactly where RCR feels, exactly how Richard Childress feels about Kevin Harvick, right? Because Kevin Harvick saved your franchise there, fella. Do you understand what I'm saying to you, Papa? This wasn't yeah. for Kevin Harvick. Richard Childress Racing would not be in existence right now, I believe. Kevin Harvick right. single-handedly saved the, saved the franchise. And and, but, and for the you know he holds on to that three car he holds on to that eight car as if it was his even though we know who the eight car is really supposed to belong to, but yet he didn't hold on to the twenty nine like that's the significance of what Kevin Harvick feels to you Richard Childress to the point to where you didn't have to you didn't feel like you needed to lock his number in. Yeah, I'm 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 very conflicted on how I believe. Richard Childress perceives Kevin Harvick. Miss Lee, I know you're trying to, trying to chime in on that. Right, but look at the fact that Richard is letting him use the 29 for, is it the, it's not the throwback race. The all-star race. Yeah, it's the all-star yes. race. Yes. So, obviously, Richard does get it. Taylor, I haven't heard you chime in on this one, buddy. I feel like um, I feel like Childress held on to the 29 for a lot of special reasons, and I think those reasons fall into Harvick. So um, the fact that the 29 has not been used um, since Harvick left makes me think that Childress is holding on to that number. Whether I do question the fact of has any other team owner um, gone up to Childress and asked about getting that number 29, um, it really makes me think that. Because if you think about it this way, RCR with the 31 uh, before colleague took it over, I think after once the 31 fell off, um, I don't think anybody ran uh, that number. I'm trying to remember the last one it was. I, I don't want to say Newman because I feel like somebody else had the 31 after Newman. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, uh, it was uh, no Daniel Hemrick. Daniel Hemrick took over that car, and I believe it became the eight car when Daniel Hemrick uh, raced it. So it was the opening of the 31. Before it was Newman, I believe it was Jeff Burton. Before Burton, it was Robbie Gordon. So that was and kind then of the Mike Skinner. And before Mike Skinner, Mike Skinner was the original pilot of the thirty-one in the Cup Series, right? Yeah. So long. I feel like at, long time. I feel like yeah. So yeah, he had the thirty-one, but at the same time, like after thirty-one, he kind of you know, I guess you could say sold it or kind of gave it up and colleague just took that number in a sense. But I just feel like the 29 uh, children kind of storied it. 
and and I feel like he also storied the number three with not only Dale Earnhardt, but he, that three never came back until Austin Dillon, his grandson, um, basically was running in the NASCAR ranks and racing for him. So I feel like RCR has a special place for the three and the 29. Kaz, if I could interject quick. I know we haven't heard much from you on this subject, but as I put it in the chat, and I'll say it for the, you know, millions we're listening on the Brock Talk Network and that we'll listen on all of our other sources, the 29, in my opinion, is a significance because it's Earnhardt's birthday. Um, you know, April four was taken. Uh, 29, 29 was the next. Yep, four, 29 was the most logical number. So... I think that's kind of why Earnhardt's holding, or I'm sorry, um, Childress is holding on to it. He may also think, and this is just my opinion, he may also think that if Harvick's going to do a one-off race every now and then, he might be able to lure him back in, into that 29. I highly doubt it, but I mean, he is letting him run it for the all-star race in North Wilkesboro. So, stranger things have happened. What what's his? Uh, I know he's debuting. He's racing the Cars Tours series. I, if I'm not mistaken, that was the number sixty-two. I, I can't remember. Maybe somebody can get that real quick as we uh, get ready to close this topic about Kevin Harvick. Look, a legacy or not, I believe he has had two legacies. Uh, one with the RCR that will never be forgotten. Who he replaced and how we become to know Kevin Harvick. But more significant was his career at Stuart Haas Racing and where he became uh, not just a champion, but uh, a beloved driver. Like the Kevin Harvick we have today is not the same young Kevin Harvick that we, that we knew, you know, 10 years ago when he'd come over uh, to Stuart Haas Racing. I know a lot of people were excited about uh, Harvick. And as a matter of fact, I believe he was one of those that was announced almost a year in advance. Uh, that he would be leaving Richard Childress Racing for Stuart Haas Racing. I remember finding the uh, the number four trademark uh, and knowing, like, then that, hey, you know, that was the number that Richard Carmichael raced in his KHI truck series, so it's got to be Kevin Harvick going to Stuart Haas Racing. I just remember how excited I was about that. And, uh, you know, just to have a driver of his caliber who's, you know, walking away at the end of this year, you know, I just wanted to take a show in a hot topic and just really, you know, talk about Kevin Harvick and what he's been able to accomplish in the Cup Series and his Hall of Fame career. He's had 60 wins. Like, you know, I, I forget where that sits on the on on the charts of uh, of racers, but I, I'm pretty sure it's you know it's, it's high ranking amongst uh, some of the top racers ever. Uh, I think him and Denny Hamlin are kind of really close together in wins. Uh, so, um, you know, we'll see where. Harvick ends up eventually, but uh, definitely a storied Hall of Fame career. Any final thoughts from Kevin Harvick as we get ready to go to our final hot topic of the night? Kevin's good in the booth, and he's much more relevant than a lot of other people they've had in the booth. So I'm looking forward to to his uh, new career. All right. I, I... 
somehow or another, we have gone way, way, way past where we were supposed to be. Um, it's already 8.35. I, I don't know where we lost our way at, but uh, too many people in the booth. Uh, I think we can all agree there was probably too many people in the booth uh, this past weekend. NASCAR needs to kind of get that figured out. Uh, let's go Let's go ahead and just jump to Black Flag, Sacred Flag. We were going to do a special uh, segment where we actually played uh, certain interviews here. So let me get this uh, ready. Did we lose Chris? Because yeah, Chris went go. like insanely quiet. Oh, there he goes. You guys hear me all right? Uh, yeah, we can I hear you now. Hello. Okay, okay, okay. I see. I hear you all now. Yeah, you got like all insanely right. quiet. <laughs> yeah, it did. I bet. Kind of crazy when it does that. Uh, our first black flag, checker flag of the night, I believe, is. Crap. Well, I am I am screwing this segment up already. Let's see where we're at. Itinerary. Poor Bubba. Yeah, poor Bubba. So let's get Bubba's thoughts on what he said real quick. I know Taz uh Poor poor Bubba. Um and basically he kinda says um Along the lines, I, I'm probably misquoting, but I know it's along the lines of uh, something about six weeks in. Uh, made six, has made plenty of rookie mistakes in these six races. We um, need to be replaced. Here, I got it. Uh, we got part of it, and didn't really come out very clear either. Um, Rotoli, Kinnerier, and then Orlan just uh, trying hard. We're going to slippery slope and stuff down there. Two weeks in a row making rookie mistakes. Make sure the hey. Need to be replaced. Uh, Needs to be replaced. That's what he said. Did I hear that okay? Yeah, he yeah. more clear that time. Yeah. Uh, Gal thoughts with black flag, kicker flag on on his thoughts about uh, is, are we too hard on Bubba? Is that what it is? As a whole, have we just abused the guy to the point to where he's he, he lacks the self confidence? Um, definitely lack of self confidence there. You know, Bubba can race. We've seen it, but he's inconsistent. So either he needs to beef up his own self-confidence or we need to let him go. Yeah, I see Black Flag. I see Black Flag because of uh, his lack of self-confidence. We all saw what he could do with the 45 last year, minus, you know, the little uh, incident he had with Larson. But, but yeah, I he's got – we all know he's 
he could put himself up front, given the equipment. He's got the equipment. Hey. No. But but he just uh he just needs to give himself uh some confidence in himself. Blacks are outside. It's time for the woe is me shit to stop. It's time for it to stop. You're in the upper echelon. You're going to make mistakes. Point blank, end of story. Things are going to happen. Stop beating yourself up. Race the car the way you know how to race. Nobody cares. I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but nobody cares that you have a mental illness. You're out there racing. We all, every single one of us, get down on ourselves. If if we don't beat ourselves up after the work day of things we could have done better, we should have done better, then we're not a very good employee. So, end right, of story, right, right. we all make mistakes. Right. It's a black flag for me. I totally I, you know, agree with what Craig said. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I believe it as well. Sometimes we use things as a crutch. And in this instance, I believe it was a crutch. Um, he he has a lot of a lot of money behind him. A lot of a lot of people expecting results. Um, you know, he's he's a two time Cup winner. Like, I mean, you know, what were we expecting from Bubba? You know, I I didn't expect two wins from the guy. So you know, he's over exceeded my expectations. Um, but I I feel like he puts a lot of pressure on himself to be to hold. Uh, you know the torch and in more ways than one. Uh, and, and, you know, when he's feeling like, you know, look, I know a lot of it has to do with cause he's black y'all. And, and he carries, you know, that pressure. And I can only imagine what that pressure is being that, uh, you know, most, a lot of his fan base is, uh, you know, that is a fan of him because of, because of who he is. And, you know, I, I, know under, how, I, I understand I, I that. very very I understand well, that so. pressure, but quit feeling sorry for yourself. Put your big yeah. girl panties on and move on. You're in the top 20 of the greatest NASCAR drivers in the world right now, and that should be good enough for you, Bubba Wallace, and you don't have anything else to prove to anybody. You need to be worried about what your car owner thinks, and as long as your car owners are fine, go out there, kick ass, and take names later. Outside of that, exactly. don't don't get on don't get on national television and pull the old the old uh, bottom lip out. That that's just you know. No, on, man, you're, you're better than Stop that. Stop being sorry for yourself. Don't worry about cancel culture. Go out right. there and do what you got to do. That's right. Well, based off the time that we've got, we've got to jump uh, a couple of segments over on our black flight checker flight. I'm gonna I'm gonna play the Elton Sawyer to just a few seconds of it, and uh, we'll black flight checker flight that. Then we'll go off into the Taz Taylor uh, hot picks. Here's Elton Sawyer and what he had to say. He didn't anything that they cross the line our dna for 74 plus years has been aggressive driving you know i think what is what we see today and and a a little bit of a byproduct which is still good is the durability of our next gen car and our drivers know that so they can even be more aggressive um so yeah 
so yeah, I think there is a line. So the teams and drivers understand, uh, for the most part, where that line is. And, and if we see something that looks just blatantly obvious, then we're going to get involved. But all right, that's what he had to say about that. Is NASCAR? I mean, they they seem to have. This goes back to what we were talking about earlier: police in their cells. Obviously, Elton Sawyer. Speaking for NASCAR, saying, hey, we didn't see anything out of the way. We didn't see anything out of line. All is good. Black, black, checker flag to the series. Basically saying, hey, we're good with everything. Checker flag. If they're good with it, checker. why should we bet? Checker flag. Double checkers from the flag, man. All righty. All right. Well, Taz Taylor, here's your moment, man. I tell you what. We finally named the segment. I don't know if you've seen that on there. Taz Taylor's hot hot picks. Um, Taz, go ahead and take the uh, take the reins here. Tell us about who and why you've uh, got the list of contenders and fav- what is it? Go ahead, Taz. You you know what it is. Tell us about it. Yeah, so we got the hot picks of favorite contenders and underdogs for the week. We are at Richmond. It's the day race. Um, we'll be at Richmond later in the season, but at nighttime. But this is the day race at Richmond. And essentially, uh, my favorite uh, contenders and underdogs, most of this is because of stats that I've looked at. I've tried looking at Vegas odds and haven't really seen uh, those come out yet. But based on what I have found, and obviously what I have been doing for the last number of weeks has been helping because I know there's a, there's been a couple wild picks to throw out there that most of us would not uh, pick with or pick drivers for, and it's showing because uh, some of these people that make these, I guess you could say long shot picks, are paying off for them. So, anyways... Uh, for Richmond this week, my favorites are Christopher Bell, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin. Uh, Christopher Bell, I'll go over quickly. Why is he a favorite? Well, in five starts, he's only finished out of the top ten once. He's finished in the top ten in every race but one in Richmond. And he's finished in the top five, three out of those five. Kyle Busch has six wins at Richmond. Denny Hamlin has four wins at Richmond. Contenders. Um, Brad Keselowski has two wins, 12 top 10s and 26 Richmond starts. Martin Truex Jr. is a, I have as a contender. Uh, three wins in 33 starts. And I believe those three wins are basically within the last like five years. Um, somewhere along the line. Alex Bowman I have as a contender as well. Um, He does have a win here. Um, Alex Bowman could also be argued as an underdog for this statement, but I listed him as a contender. Um, For underdogs, I have Eric Jones, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and A.J. Allmendinger. If there are any names I have missed, the panel is open for business to name off three favorites, three contenders, and three underdogs. 
Harvick as a favorite. All right. I was glad to have the stats to back that up. (laughs) Do we have stats to back that up? Is Harvick Harvick a traditional threat? Yeah. I I don't have stats in front of me. I have them. But he does have. I have the stats. So, Harvick easily favorites. He has the same amount of wins as Denny Hamlin, and Hamlin is listed as a favorite. Uh, Hamlin has four wins, 21 top tens, and 32 starts. Harvick in 43 starts, 29 top tens, 17 top fives, and four wins. Okay. Larson. So Kevin Harvick. Kyle Larson as a favorite or a contender? I'd say contender. Fair enough. Kyle Larson at Richmond uh, with 16 starts, has seven top tens, three top fives, and one victory. It is so hard to not have Willie B as a favorite right now at any track that we go to, Taz Taylor. You look at William Byron, and he is having them the most solid year he's ever had from the beginning. Um, Until he shows me that he's not competitive, I have to keep him in the favorite. As a matter of fact, I'm leaning towards William Byron, not only being a favorite for uh, the rest of the competition year, but also uh, he would be in my top four right now for a championship pick. So um, I I am on the Willie B train, and, uh, you know, I I, I would feel – you know, I wouldn't feel too good about myself if I didn't add him into that favorite category. With uh, with the season he's having, I can agree with you, but his Richmond stats are kind of poor there, Chris. Um, I could argue the contender uh, part on that deal. In nine starts, uh, he only has one top five and two top tens, but no wins. Interesting. Interesting. But like I so said, he's going to argue that he could be a contender. But if you well, guys have the seen the other stats, what do y'all think? I'd put him as, as a contender. But we can throw. I mean, we can throw him as a we can throw him as a favorite. That would mean we need one more favorite to throw in. And I'm surprised one I, person's name has not thrown has been thrown in there yet. I'm waiting for it. Ask Craig Moore. Ask Craig Moore if William Byron should be a favorite or a contender, and we'll be, and I'll be settled with his decision. Favorite or contender? Hmm. I'm going to go with favorite. Okay. All right. I think I think he's going to surprise a lot more people this year than we think. Okay. Yeah, he, he's been All on right. fire at almost every race track he showed up at. All right. So that leaves one favorite left to name. Uh, for contenders, we need two more and three underdogs. And actually, I'm yeah, going to throw in an underdog. I'm going to throw in an underdog okay. here. And he's not a cup point. He can't earn cup points. And, Chris, you should know exactly where I'm going with this. 
I'm going to go throw in the hat of Josh Berry. Mm. Short track. Yeah. I can see this. Short, short track. Um, he's back in the nine car this week, uh, being it's an oval track. So this could wheel in short track, wheel into Josh Berry's hands. Yeah, you can't exclude him. So that leaves two contenders, two underdogs, and one favorite. Well, once again, I'm standing here at the crossroads because we have a driver who just had a dominating race in Coda, and I'm not seeing his name at all on this list. And I'm wondering just where we have to plug Tyler Reddick in at because he's already got to win this season. He's been fast. I know there's some other names that we could add into contenders and favorites, but uh, I, I just feel, Taz Taylor, that uh, we've got to squeeze Tyler Reddick somewhere on this list. Well, I can throw him in. I can't put him in as a favorite with his Richmond stats. I can e- we can easily put him as a contender tops. Um, he has no top ten and five starts at Richmond with an average finish of 17.8. But with the success he's had the last couple of years, um, especially with him starting to find his groove this year, um, I can, we can throw him in as a contender. I'd say put him as an underdog. Ooh, devil's advocate. I love it. Mm. I'm not going to argue that. I'll save my argument for a better one. So I put him as an underdog just because I have somebody else to put in the contender position. Okay. All right. Okay. I mean, but if I were to throw in a Todd Gibbs possible underdog, could you have Tyler Reddick and Ty Gibbs in the same in the same group. Yeah. Harley. Wow, I heard a no and a yes. I think in this case, yes. Okay. Uh, Craig the deal breaker, what did you say? <coughs> We're talking Reddick for this weekend, contender or underdog? Yeah. Is that what uh, is that the debate? I'm going to put in yes. contender. I mean, how can you deny the man after this past weekend and his dominating performance going left and right? Thank you, Craig Mark. All right. Yeah, we'll, throw in as a cont- All right we'll throw him in as a contender. All right. So we have a couple minutes left. We need one favorite, one contender, and two underdogs. I'm still waiting for that one driver to pop up that nobody has mentioned yet. All right, I'll go. Uh, we're looking at probably my pick favorite and underdog. Favorite and underdog. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take your, I'm gonna take your favorite and I'm gonna throw in there the melon man. Ooh, that's actually not where I was thinking. Well, pro- Ooh, I yeah, I did. Are we in that's favor of Ross Yastine as a favorite? No, no. I could see him as a contender. I hope he comes back to bite <laughs> yeah. us all in the ass. <laughs> I know, right? I know. I'll go. 
I'll go contender. There is a favorite that's still floating. We have not mentioned his name, and I'm shocked gotta nobody has said it Got to be Ryan Blaney. No, that wasn't where I was no. thinking. Oh, where is no. he in the stat sheet? <laughs> the last favorite should be Hamlin. Hamlin's already on. <laughs> Where did so I miss Gibbs, it? We're going to add Ty Gibbs to, to underdog, right? That seems fair. Where's Martin Truex Jr.? Uh, contender. He's a contender. Guys, I'm going to throw the name out because you're killing me. Joey Logano. Oh, gosh. How did we forget Joey? Joey Logano, the, he's got to be a favorite. Yeah, I know he yeah, he's the cup champion. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. All right, that leaves one more underdog to throw in there. Chris and that's not a bad one. That's a that's a long shot pick, but it's not a bad one. I mean. Despite one top ten and one top five finish in thirteen Richmond races, um, the twenty-one point or no, the twenty-three point six average finish, eh, that, that's still a long shot. He's still got something. I mean, RFK is on the rise here so far this year. Right. right. Yep. I would not be against it. Right. Everybody else is, is all for it. I'm in agreement. And look, uh, yeah, Martin Truex Jr. really, he's a guy to watch this weekend for sure. I feel he's going to break out of his slump. He's got to get him a, a win at least uh, to close out. You know, if this is his retirement year, and I'm surprised we haven't heard yet if it is. We haven't heard of an extension yet with uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. I've heard rumors that he may be a candidate for the Thor car. Uh, we will have to see if that transpires. But all in all tonight, a great show. Uh, we've, we've missed a couple of topics. We weren't able to do uh, our Magic 8 ball, and we were uh, we had to cut Black Flag, Checker Flag short. Unfortunately, that's just part of it, man. And uh, we try to squeeze it all into two hours, and we don't want to hold you guys any longer because holding your ear for two hours is probably long enough as well. So, um, Chaz Taylor, um, I'll let you go ahead and go through the motions here as we get ready to close out the show. <coughs> Oh, yeah, right. remind them real quick about their picks and when they got to be in and when, when it's open, when it's closed, and uh, uh, and, then, and then we'll close it out. Sure thing. So, picks for the NASCAR pool open up tomorrow at 8 p.m. Or, yeah, 8 p.m., 8 a.m. Eastern. Let's try this again. 8 a.m. Eastern tomorrow, and they close at 8 p.m. Thursday. Uh, this is all Eastern time. Uh, on Thursday, uh, if you ever get an email back saying your pick uh, has been maxed out within your group, you are you have the extended time till Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern, and you can email your picks at rclnascarpicks at gmail dot com. Once again, that's rclnascarpicks at gmail dot com. Starting tomorrow at 8 p.m. or 8 a.m. Eastern, Wednesday until Thursday, 
8 p.m. Eastern. And with that being said, thank you, everyone, for listening along to Race Chat Live here on Blog Talk Radio. If you ever miss us live on a Tuesday night, don't worry. We got your back because you can listen to us at any time on any form of podcast, such as Blog Talk Radio, podpage.com, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, RSS Feed, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, GeoSaving, Podcast Addict, Deezer, Podchaser, and on YouTube. Thank you to our sponsors. I make the 110 Nation Roll, Phoenix Fitness, Bears Bullish, Market Talk Group, Carolina Sports Plus, Morning Music, Karaoke Entertainment, Yellow Caution Flag Productions, and TNT Designs. We want to thank you all for listening to Race Chat Live with us tonight. We'll see you at the same bat time, same bat place next Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. This has been the Caution Flag of Racing Radio, Chris Creighton, the DJ Music Man, Craig Moore, the Mama Bear of the 110 Nation, Miss Lee Reed, and I'm the Tasmanian Double Flaggers, Tess Taylor, saying good night. We'll see you all next week. Good night, everybody. Bye. Good night, everybody. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.